Thank you for listening to the Family Life Podcast. For more great content, visit thefamilylife.org. We hope you are blessed by today's message and will be encouraged to share it with someone you know. More perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. This is rich, amen? For if the blood of bulls and of goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifieth to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? And for this cause... He is the mediator of the New Testament that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the First Testament, they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop and sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the, New T- of the Testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged by the blood, and without the shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the pattern of things in the heavens should be purified with these, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear, amen, in the presence of God for us. Not yet that he should offer himself often, as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with the blood of others. For then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world." But now once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And notice this, and it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Verse 28, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him he shall appear the second time without sin unto salvation. 
And I would like to speak to you for the next few minutes on this particular subject. Once entered, once appeared, and once offered. Lift up our hands one more time and ask the Lord to open our hearts and our minds for the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, we come to you now recognizing the seriousness of this chapter and the seriousness of your work, of the seriousness of the mighty God in Christ. And we pray today that we leave this place knowing more about him than we did when we walked in. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Like all of you, I have, over my lifetime, been through the tabernacle plan. As a matter of fact, I remember the great book that was written, The Tabernacle, and I remember reading that as a teenager. And all of the imagery and the things that I learned about the tabernacle, everybody remember the tabernacle plan. We've been through that. We understand that there was a system of sacrifice. There were characters and people known as priests who were to walk into this place called the tabernacle. The tabernacle, the Bible says in Hebrews 9 verses 1 through 10, was a place that had ordinances. It was a place that was specifically designed, specifically built, had specific rules, specific orders, specific colors, specific imagery, we know about the candlestick, we know about the showbread, we know about the sanctuary, we know about Aaron's rod that budded, and yes, we know about the Ark of the Covenant. We understand that there was a system, that there was an order, there was a proper way, a right way, and if that system or the order or the pattern was in any way manipulated, death quickly ensued. Because God was very serious about dealing with sin. He was very serious about the reality of sacrifice for sin. In the Old Testament, we understand that there were different types of sin. And by the way, I know there's a lot of subjects we could go into in this chapter, and I'm not going to go there today. Perhaps we'll pick those up on a 10 a.m., we understand that these particular sins that were rolled away or uh, they were eliminated for a year were oftentimes referred to as in Hebrews chapter 9 verse 7, the sins of heirs or the sins of ignorance. But there were sins that were not just simply heirs of ignorance or simply sins of error, but there were sins that were of the flesh that were premeditated and understood. Um, this is why David, when he prayed, and he had the great uh, request for God to forgive him, says in Psalm 51, Lord, you don't desire sacrifice, or I would give it unto you. You are not going to delight in a burnt offering, but what you are wanting from me is a broken spirit and a contrite heart. In other words, I'm not going to come to you with this particular sin as I might have in other particular sins. I know that may seem a bit heavy, and I would encourage you to read 
through the book of Hebrews chapter 9, and you will understand that a lot of these sacrifices, as said in verse number 9, they were a figure of things that were present and things to come, but they stood only in meats, in drinks, and in diverse washings and carnal ordinances that were opposed on them before the Reformation. In other words, if you were a Hebrew, if you were a Jew, if you were to understand the law of God, you knew exactly what was going to be required and what was going to happen. We understood when reading this and understanding the tabernacle that God had a particular wrath and judgment when it came to sin, whether the sin of heirs, where the sin of premeditation, no matter where the sins particularly laid, you had to have a sacrifice to wash away or to wipe away those sins. The Bible says that there were priests and that some priests were to go into the first room or to go beyond the first veil and they would do their particular services in that particular place. But then there was a high priest and the high priest was allowed one time a year to go beyond and go into the Holy of Holies. And in that particular place, the high priest that was allowed to go one a year was able to transfer the guilt of sin that besets every single person and was able to put those sins and roll them back for one more year. And everyone had a celebration and everyone was excited because there is no feeling like sin being wiped away. There is no feeling like sin being washed away. Way. There is no feeling. And if you've never felt it before, I've come to tell you, you can feel it today. Like your sins being washed away in the waters of baptism. There is no feeling like sin being moved away from your life and you being a brand new creature in Christ Jesus. The reality with this, though, was that sin began to develop itself over and over and over again. And human beings, by our nature, are always trying to improve ourselves. And I'm going to get to that in just a little bit. But the reality is that there was a specific plan, a specific role, a specific way that sin was to be dealt with. We even read about it a little bit later in Hebrews chapter 9 that Moses himself took the law. He took the blood and he took the blood of calves and he took the blood of goats and he mixed it with water and with wool and he would touch both the tabernacle and the book and the Bible says all the people. He was doing everything that he could as a mediator between God and man in dealing with sacrifices. But notice now when we read the book of Hebrews chapter 9, 
we begin to learn something about the difference between the tabernacle plan, the priests, the high priests, the sacrifices of calves, of goats, of bulls, of turtle doves, of every single different type of sacrifice. Because remember one thing about sacrifice. There were some sacrifices that were able to be purchased by people of means. These were the calves and the goats and these types of animals. But praise be unto God, even under the other system, there was the sacrifice of the cereal, which the very poor people could only afford to offer as a sacrifice. I've come to tell you something today about the God that we serve, and we're going to get to the manifest flesh of Jesus Christ. It does not matter your status in life. It never has. Under a sacrificial system, you could be the richest of the rich. You could be the poorest of the poor. But as long as you made a sacrifice for the sins and the things that were in your life, there was a way for you to find freedom from sin and freedom from wrong. Because our God, while he is a God of wrath, when it comes to sin, also knows how to make a way for every human being to be saved, sanctified, and we used to say it this way, set free from the things of this world. Notice now the writer of Hebrews, as he is dealing with the reality of the Old Testament and the New Testament, begins to tell us some things about Jesus Christ, God in flesh. And just let me remind you of a couple verses. And without mystery, although there has been a lot of mystery, and without controversy, there is absolutely a lot of controversy. Without controversy, God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit. Amen. Seen of angels, preached unto the Gentiles, and received up into glory. I just want to remind someone today that there might be a lot of controversy about it out there, but Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh. There is no doubting it. There is no second guessing it. And without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. He was justified in the spirit. He was seen of angels. He was preached unto the Gentiles and he was received up into glory. First Timothy chapter three and verse 16. God was in Christ manifesting God himself to us. Amen. Now, when we read then, I want you to focus on three things that the writer of Hebrews says about Jesus, and then I want to apply them. When he contrasts the fact that the Old Testament sacrificial system was an annual system, that was a continual system, a sacrifice had to be continually made. And every year on the calendar, there was a time that the high priest had to go in and sins would be washed away for one more year. It was an annual event. It happened every 12 months. But notice this about Jesus. And I'm going 
minutes to speak on this word today, and that word is once. The Bible says neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, he entered in once into the holy place. This God that we serve, amen, that broken, bleeding body on Calvary, that blood that we sing about, the blood that we pray, the blood that we plea, the blood of Jesus Christ, he who died on the cross. God didn't die on the cross, but he who died on the cross was God. We remember that from the book of Acts in the oneness class that we always were taught. The man who died on the cross was God, but God did not die on the cross. It was God manifest in the flesh. And because of that blood sacrifice, one time he entered into the heavenlies and one time the blood was applied so that human beings did not have to go to an earthly tabernacle. We did not have to find a priest. We did not have to depend on a high priest, but he has become the high priest for us. And one time the blood of Jesus satisfied the wrath of God. And one time because of that, you and I can go to the waters of baptism and be baptized in Jesus' name and see our sins washed away. One time. One time he offered. One time the Bible says he appeared. The Bible says that when the fullness of time was come, that God sent forth his son. In other words, that God became flesh and dwelt among us. But it was at the appointed time. Time is an interesting thing. A friend of mine wrote a song not long ago saying that God made time. He made time to visit with this person. He made time to visit with that person. But God also made time. He is the creator of all things. Amen. We understand that it was God who one time separated the day from the night, and he called the day day, the light day, and he called the night dark, right? We understand that one time God separated. Whether you believe in new earth creation or old earth creation, here's one thing you can't get away from. God separated the day and the night. He is the one. It doesn't, two little amoebas didn't meet in the ocean, and that's how we all got here. God separated the day from the night. He was the one that did that. It is vital to understand this about God because God's timing is perfect and God's timing is right. And when the fullness of time was come and when the earth was ready, the Lord himself, uh, he became one of us. Uh, He was born of a virgin, one virgin birth. He was born of a virgin. And this man, the mighty God in Christ, Jesus Christ, walked throughout the world. The Bible says that he sweat like we sweat. He slept like we sleep. He ate like we eat. He uh, Actually, there were drops of blood in Gethsemane that poured from him under the extreme duress and stress of doing the will of God. This was a man, but he wasn't just a man. He was also God. At the same time he was sleeping, he was able to come up to the top of the boat and said, peace be still. He slept as a man. 
He calmed the storms as God. And one time he was eating, the next time he was feeding. Why is that? Because as a man, he needed to eat some bread. But as God, he was able to give five loaves and two fishes to 5,000. Why? It's because one time, only once, God became flesh and dwelt among us. And I'm here to say today with all of our ingenuity, and I'm getting to that, I want to remind someone there's not a better version of Jesus that's coming along in the next 20, 30, 40, 50 years. There is not another Jesus that's coming. There is only one God. There is only one Christ. And it was Jesus Christ. There is not a second Messiah coming. There isn't another Reformation coming. It was God that was in Christ who was came to the earth one time at the right time because it was God's time and he appeared. And so as everyone looks around trying to find a better way to do God, and I'll let that sink in. As the world is looking around for a way to find a better God or a better way to do God, I've come to tell you, saints, don't be deceived. In the last days, the Bible says that false prophets are going to arise and the spirit of antichrist is only going to increase so some of the things we're grabbing onto now this is old time Pentecost some of the things we're grabbing onto and some of the people we're clinging to and some of the people we're listening to you better be careful because they got something else for you that the Lord only did one time and that was to give us his word the word is forever established when the world has passed away the word is still going to stand And so if someone comes with another idea, adding a couple chapters here, deleting a couple chapters here, we do like that. We don't like that. That's not right. That's not nice. We don't like that. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, you better walk away. You better cut it out. You better leave it alone because you can't control it. You think you're smart. You think you're cool. You think you can handle it. You can't. False prophets and spirits of antichrist are a little bit different than dealing with waking up on the wrong side of the bed. Some of our day is ruined if we wake up on the wrong side of the bed. But your spiritual life can be contaminated for life if you follow and look around at the way with nearly 2,000 recognized religions on the planet today. I'm glad I'm one of them. As the old song says, I got some old songs in my mind today from this. I'm glad I'm one of them. We used to sing it. I'm glad I'm one of them. Thank God I'm one of them. I've had the revelation, the knowledge of who Jesus is. Lastly, the one thing that he says, that the writer says, is that Christ was once offered for the sins of to bear the sins of many. Now, these are anchors that I want you to take with you. Once entered on your behalf, once appeared for the revelation to the world, and once offered to be the sacrifice for our sins. Now, I want to tell you, the reality is this. The world has changed 
And I'm going to say a few things that, that quite honestly, are going to date me. And, and there's actually people here who, who have so much more uh, experience and knowledge and understanding of some of the things I'm going to talk about because we've been through it. I remember coming up, and I love this stuff. I'm just not good at it. I remember coming up when we had rotary phones, right? I remember when, when phone books, young people, listen to this, People would walk around with these thick books and bring them to your door. Phone books. I remember the technology of the phone as it continued to go down. There was a time, believe it or not, when long distance cost extra. Or used to make a collect call. There was a time... That all of a sudden we went from the rotary phone and the next thing you know we had long distance and we even started to get these things called phone plans. And everyone was shopping for the cheapest phone plan. The next thing you know we came up with beepers. The next thing you know we got these things called Blackberries and, and, and phones and, and everything like this. And now we can't live without them. And the phone in our pocket the fifth, the fifth use of a cell phone now is as a phone. Because we text, we surf, we do all these email, we do everything in our phone. Why is that? It's because we, we have taken something that, that back then worked, but we wanted to make it better and more efficient and more exciting and, and do all kinds of neat things with it. That's why Steve Jobs said, hey, it's not an expensive phone. It's a thousand songs in your pocket. Wow, that sounds great. I like it. The human genome, it's amazing what is going on right now in our world when we deal with DNA and we deal with genome and we see what's going on. We have gene silencing and gene manipulation. We have all these different things going on and people are wondering, what are we going to be like in the future? When I was growing up, I used to see little shows or perhaps even a movie about a cartoon about robots. And now we're producing more robots than we ever have in our history. And everyone is saying, don't worry now, because we were so focused on the IQ, and everyone was a genius, and we were pursuing intelligence as fast as we IQ was the big thing. And now all of a sudden they're telling me, You're, at some point this isn't, this isn't going to matter as much as your EQ. Because you can be intelli incredibly intelligent but you can't handle yourself. You ever met that person? They have more IQ than they have EQ. And now they're telling us it's going to reverse. And now the EQ is going to be more important than the IQ. I don't know. Burger King got sued last week because the Impossible Burger is not vegan enough. We're making non-animal meat? What does this mean? I don't know but we're doing everything we can. Private vacations in space? Why not? 3D printing? Oh, it's going to make houses in 25 years. Houses? Yeah. Make body parts. We're going to wear the internet? Exactly right. You're going to put a patch on the side of your head, and every morning you're going to wake up, and it's going to tell you what's going on. Much like cars now. You used to take your car to get it looked at every three months. 
Now you buy a Tesla, you plug it in, and every morning it scans the car while you're sleeping at night. You wake up, email tells you what needs to go happen with your car, what's going wrong. It's coming to us. See, there's nothing wrong with progress and technology we like. It sounds kind of fun, doesn't it? Oh, wow. I, oh, I really? You ate too much last night, Hughes. It's in our watches. It's in our phones. And I would love to tell you that it just stops in technology and our life is changing these ways. But this is nothing new, my brothers and my sisters. How many remember the Tower of Babel? When human beings thought they were so intelligent and we could do things so much better than God and we can establish things. And the Bible says in the book of Genesis that they begin to build a tower higher and higher and higher and higher. And what did God do? He sent a gentle reminder that I am God and I am sovereign over this earth and I am sovereign over human beings. And he destroyed the Tower of Babel and sent people all kinds of different ways. It's because human beings are always trying to advance themselves and make themselves better. You know, sometimes I think about sin, and I, and I remember what someone said one time, a, a theologian I read one time, and said, the problem with sin is we've made it too narrow. For years it was too wide. Everything was a sin. And then we focused it down to a few things we don't want anyone to know. And so we all have sin in a very narrow space versus a very wide space. And it's because we don't want to deal with it. But I've come to tell you something about this. I don't know what the world and the future holds in this world. I don't know what's going on. You don't know what's going on. And by the time you figure it out, they've already gone past to something else. Amen? Believe me, there are, much, there are others here who should be talking about this, not me. I just know the changes that I've seen in my life. And I read about disruptors and innovations and what's going on in the world and what's next. I know that music styles change or the preaching child's change. I know all kinds of things change. But you know what? There's one thing that doesn't change. And that is that Jesus Christ was once offered. I'm going to say that again. Jesus Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, of all of us. So we can go down the track and we can create this and we can create that and we can do this and we can do that and we can go as far as we want to. We can travel into space. We can go as far as mankind can possibly go. But as far as we go, we're never going to be nearer to God than we are to that bloody, bleeding body on Calvary that was offered only one time. And that one time settled the fact that human beings can be free from sin and sin can washed can be washed away by the blood of Jesus Amen. 
We stand at times when we wonder what the answer to the world is and how do we respond to people. I've got news to tell you. They're not that much farther advanced than you are and there isn't a person who doesn't know that they need something deep inside of them. They may be convinced that it's not sin. It's just who they are or the way they are or how they were raised, nurture, nature. We go down through the whole thing, but at the very end of it is this. There is only one way that your sins are going Going to be washed away. There is only one reason that you can stand today with holy hands, and it's not because you're good, it's not because you're cute, it's not because you're family, it's only because of the blood of Jesus. It's only because of the offered body of Jesus Christ. It's only because you were bought with a price, and that was the precious blood of Jesus. And the Bible says He is our propitiation for our sins and not ours only but also the sins of the entire world and so my brothers and sisters as time moves us further and further away from the day that Jesus Christ died on the cross follow this as time moves us further away from the day of the cross and closer to the day of his second coming. It is so easy, so easy, to become bored or to allow the things of God to take second place. It's interesting, we want a lot of things from God. We don't necessarily want the things of God. Because the things of God require sacrifice. And the things of God require giving your life to discipleship. And the things of God require you recognizing, I'm going to be different than everyone else out there. And it's not just because I'm a unique or peculiar person. It's because I've anchored to something, to a man who lived 2,000 years ago. I'm anchored to a man who was God in Christ. I'm anchored to a bloody, bleeding, battered body that was crucified on Calvary's hill. That is my identity. That is who I am. That's what makes me who I am today. It's not my pedigree. It's not my nature. It's not my nurture. It's not my family. It's because I am clinging to something that happened one time. I didn't see it with my physical eyes, but I've had a revelation. I've had an understanding. I saw my need to obey the gospel of Jesus Christ. And because I obeyed, something that happened one time, I'm going to live forever. And the Bible says this, that it is appointed to a man once to die. You're only going to die one time. You're not going to get away from it, by the way. Even though we're pushing our life expectancy out, you're going to die. Every one of us. It's not fun. It's not something we look forward to. It is just a reality. But the Bible says that he was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. And it's all why? Because he was offered one time. Paul, in my conclusion, said it this way when he was leaving the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20. Take heed therefore unto yourselves 
and to all the flocks over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. Because we went away from calves, we went away from goats, turtle doves, bulls, the list goes on. And all that happened on that day at Calvary was the God-man, Christ Jesus, bore our sins. And because of the blood that he shed that day, the sins were transferred from me and you unto that broken, bleeding body. They call it the great exchange. He took my sins and imputed his righteousness into me. And here I stand today. The Bible doesn't say we're only forgiven of sins. The Bible says we haven't been consumed because of his mercy. Some of you need to be thankful you haven't been consumed, not just forgiven. Amen. Another night, another night. Can we stand right now and lift up our hands and let's give God a thanks today for the blood. We don't know what's coming in human beings. We don't know what they're going to come up with and design. I don't know what's next. I don't know when the Lord is going to return. I don't know how far advanced we're going to be. But we can never get so smart and so advanced and so self-reliant that we don't remember that once he entered, once he appeared, and once he was offered. And because of that, the blood of Jesus covers over our lives. Every hand raised as we give God thanks this morning for the blood of Jesus. I'm opening up this altar. I'm opening up the altar to everyone. I'm not going to give a long altar call. This is for everyone who just wants to come down and thank God for the blood. Remember that, O chorus? Thank God for the blood. Would you be free from your burden and sin? There's power in the blood. Power in the blood. Hallelujah. This altar is open. Everyone should be in here. Saint, sinner, high, low, in, out, no matter where you are. You've needed the blood of Jesus in your life. And thank God. Thank God. Once entered. Once appeared. And once offered. In Jesus' name, let's find ourselves a place to worship in our own way and give our thanks unto God for the blood. This is personal this morning. He did it for you. He did it for me. We're so glad that you tuned into today's message. While we hope that you were ministered to, we also believe in being connected to a local church. Our desire is that this ministry would supplement and not substitute the vision cast by the leadership that God has placed in your life. You can support us by leaving us a review. And for additional information, visit thefamilylife.org.